What's up, athletes? Zach Wagner here with another episode of the Resilient Athlete Project. Today on the show, we have Shannon Porges. So she is somebody who I met through some mutual friends um, in the CrossFit and running world. And um, we first interacted. She works at a local shop called Spark Bike Run and Sports. Great shop for anything from running to biking, triathlons, etc. So that's kind of what we focus on. She's got a great story. Not only is she a five-time Ironman finisher, but she also is a cancer survivor. So I think she has a she's got a lot to speak about in terms of resilience and being an authority on that. Um, so we got, we got some great stuff, and um, you won't want to miss this one. A lot of really great things for for sport, but also just for life and year. So a couple of quick notes. There was a little bit of explicit language in this one, not a ton, but basically when we start talking about the cancer diagnosis and the triathlon team that Shannon works with, it's basically called the bleep cancer <laughs> tri-team. Um, so just keep that in mind if you've got any little ones or anything like that, or, or um, you may not want to listen to them with them, um, but there's not a lot. That's a pretty isolated little bit. And the audio, there's a little bit of background noise from about five minutes to 15, 16 minutes or so. There was some stuff going on on the other side of the wall from where we were recording, but we got into the groove and we got some great stuff. It certainly doesn't uh, preclude you from hearing it. The audio is still fine. There's just a little bit of background noise, so just keep that in mind. But um, enough for me. Without further ado, I bring you Shannon Porges. All right, welcome back to the Resilient Athlete Project. I am your host, Zach Wagner. Here at Wagner PT and Performance with my good friend Shannon, um, joining us today. Thanks for coming in. You're welcome. How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah. Good. Um, so I met Shannon through, she is a running shoe expert and extraordinaire over at the okay. Spark Bike Run Sports, which is just across the road from us in Lakeville here. Uh, and then we have other mutual friends and stuff, but uh, Shannon has a, a good, an awesome athletic history, so I'm going to let her kind of fill you in on, on what your whole athletic kind of background and story is, and we'll go from there. All right, so um, that all started when I was um, about eight or nine years old. I got into skiing. Skiing was the first mm-hmm. sport I ever um, was introduced. Loved it, um, but it was only a winter sport, and then I started swimming during the summertime, and I loved that. So then I, my mom signed me up for um, some swim competitions through what went on in Brockton years ago called Summerfest. So I competed at these races and I did well. I loved it. And um, skiing that winter was basically the last winter I skied because I could swim all year round. Mm-hmm. And you can't ski all year round. So I, my background started basically I was a swimmer. Um, joined the local swim team, the Brockton Community Swim Youth, and had a blast doing it. Got up to high school, swam for Brockton High, and then just took it from there. I do regret not trying other sports, you know, running and whatnot, because I couldn't run worth of anything. Mm-hmm. I very slow. I can relate so, to that. Yeah. yeah. It was intimidated. <laughs> it's intimidating when you're in high school. Yeah. You see all these really, especially at Brockton High, you see all these outstanding athletes and you're like, I can never compete with them. But where I was swimming, all the um, girls that were on the swim team were also on the Brockton High School swim team. Mm-hmm. So um, I knew them. So fitting in and I enjoyed it and I was pretty oh, mediocre. I had fun. <laughs> I loved it. I... Um, Looking back, I wish I kind of took it a little bit more serious. Um, My biggest, one of my biggest regrets was quitting my senior year um, to get a job, save for school. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, you know, senior in high school is the best year of your life. So I didn't swim, so that was my only regret. And then went to school. Then about a few years, six years later... Graduated in 85, so about 1991, I was looking through a magazine at work, and it was an ad for a triathlon, and I shoved it over to my friend, and I told her, I'm like, tell me to do this, and she goes, (laughs) do that, I'm like, okay, so I figured I'd do the last race of this series, 
and uh, flew out to San Diego in December. Did my first sprint triathlon. Love it. And I was hooked ever since. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a the Danskin Women's Triathlon Series, which was the longest series that ever ran. And unfortunately, it's a shame that it doesn't exist anymore because it really um, opened doors for a lot of women who didn't have any fitness level. Yeah. They were couch potatoes. And this one woman, the spokeswoman for this uh, race series, just... Um, she was wonderful. She was so inspiring that everyone just gravitated towards her mm-hmm. and said, I'm going to do it. She would convince all these women, you can do it. Yeah, and like remind people, I think, what's the what are the distances in a sprint triathlon? So it's anywhere from a quarter to a half mile swim, and then the bike can be 10 to 12 miles, and then a 5K run always. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very, very doable. Yeah, People like, I can never do one, but you can. They mm-hmm. think you just have to go all out, and that's not the case. Right. You can just go ahead and take your time, have fun doing it. It's just, yeah, it's a workout. Just finish, I think, a lot of times, yeah. like you said. And just to be able to do, like, those three disciplines back-to-back yes. and just, like, you know, the, the transitions and all that kind of yes. stuff is probably so, as much a part of it as anything else, you know? Oh, absolutely. And then you, you're cross-training. You know, you, you're swimming, you're biking, and you're running. So you're not just sticking to one sport, whereas someone who wants to train for a 5K, they're just running, running, running. So this, you know, it's three sports. So you're cross-training, you're working one muscle uh, group when you're running, and then you're on the bike and you're working the opposite muscle group, which is really nice because you need that. Right. And, and, yep, swimming swimming is the best exercise for you. Yeah, I think... And- I don't know how much we've talked about this, but I grew up in Southern California. I was a swimmer my whole life, did that in college and everything. Yeah. And there are quite a few friends, close friends from high school and, and beyond who are now triathletes. A couple have done Ironmans and the whole thing because, nice. you know, they kind of get into that. And I think in some ways the the swimming is, I think people from what I've seen are a little bit hesitant to get into triathlons, even if they do bike and they run because yeah. swimming feels a little bit more like daunting. But if you have that baseline of a swimmer, I think yes. most people have run, most people have run at some point, biked at some point. So at least they have if they can wrap their head around it. Yes. You know, so I think that's the biggest thing for sure. Yep, I can't tell you how many women I met who signed on to the first Ironman, and they do not know how to swim, mm-hmm. and they hired a coach, you know, or they would go to a master swim just to learn how to swim. But yeah, the swim pod is very intimidating if you don't know how to swim. It's the worst. Yeah. But you can do breaststroke, side stroke. You don't just have to do crawl stroke. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people I see them doing backstroke. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's you know, you don't have to do one stroke. You don't have to do the freestyle. You yeah. can do whatever you want. Just get through it. Get through the swim. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Oh yeah. First started out with a sprint triathlon, and what what year was that? You said. Nineteen ninety one. Okay. And then, obviously, a multitude of races up through that point. So give us some of the highlights that have happened from then till now. All right. So I am, of course, I raced for a few years. And there was a gap that I didn't race. Um, And then I got back into racing in 2003. And just, you know, dipped my toes back into it. And then... um, I was like, well, I want to try an Olympic distance. I never thought I could. And this girl, Pam, said, Shannon, you can so do it. I did it. I loved it. And then, oh, I want to try the half iron distance. Uh-huh. So I tried that, and I absolutely loved it. And I was like, you know what? I made a goal for myself. So my first IMA was in September. And then I'm like, well, for the following year, there's one race in New Hampshire called the Timberman um, Half Iron, and it was a um, world championship qualifier for the half iron distance. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to make that as a goal. Just, you know, doesn't mean I'm going to qualify at that race. So I did it, and I ended up getting a spot, and I qualified. I went to Clearwater, Florida, mm-hmm. um, competing at the Half Iron Worlds, which was very exciting. My cousin who lives... Um, couple towns over came out to see me um so that was like the first highlight and I was like wow 
I want to try an Ironman. Yeah. And then a few years after that, I, um, actually it was a year after that, I registered for Ironman Florida, went back down to Florida, um, did the Ironman, fell in love with it. Uh, I was like, I, I started loving endurance, yeah. doing all the endurance. Um, the biggest, my best actually in memory is in 2005, um, going to nationals and down in Kansas City, and it started raining race day morning, and they delayed the race a little bit. So they said, "Yep, storms, the rain's clearing out," and then all of a sudden, it just all these clouds just accumulated together, and we were hit by a severe thunderstorm. So as we all sitting in the cars or shelter waiting for the race to start and mind you this is national so everyone around the country came here to compete for a spot at the world age group world championships so we're sitting and we're waiting and we're waiting and then they said well we're not going to swim we're going to eventually do our time trial start which is every five seconds you're leaving on your bike you do the bike and then you come in and you just do the run so they canceled the swim so as we're sitting there waiting and waiting, and of course, you've got to get your nutrition in a certain time. You're yeah. not sure when this is going to start. They said, okay, we're just going to do a fun 10K run. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do it. I First time I was I ever backed out of anything, I'm like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. I, you know, we came all this way. Yeah. I didn't race. We went back to the hotel, and that night they had um, the dinner that they planned for us. So we still went, and they then they announced that everyone who showed up to get their race bag and showed up for the race, um, you have until this certain date um, to go to the world championship. So they let us all go. There you go, nice. Yep, so yeah, we all went to Hawaii because we were the host nation. So mm-hmm. it was my first time going to Hawaii. My husband was like, You cannot not go, you have to go. Right. And here I am, well, the kids, this and that. Um, they were five and seven at the time, they've never been on a plane. So it was like breaking them in, first flight from Boston to Hawaii. And I went there, didn't think about the race once until race day. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, they had the Parade of Nations, like they do in the Olympics. Yeah. So the race was on Saturday. The parade was Thursday. And me being so short, everyone kept pushing me up, pushing me up to the beginning. They're like, you know, you, you know, just so you can see and your family can see you. And then some gentleman came up and says, hey, anyone want to carry the flag? And I'm like, oh, I'll do it. <laughs> so I'm sitting in front carrying the American flag. And my picture was all over the brochures. It was in the USA Triathlon magazine. So I still have those all put away. And it was like that was just the probably the the best highlight ever. Yeah, that's cool. You know, and I got a um, a certificate from the U.S. Olympic Committee that acknowledged my All-American. You know, going to the Worlds, and still have that framed. Yep. So, yeah, I would like to go back to world someday. I would say I'd like to do it again someday and try and qualify, but I'm so picky on where around the world that they do take place. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure (laughs) it's an endeavor, obviously, to make that happen, but... Oh, yes. That's cool that some of your favorite moments around it are, like, not necessarily even the race itself, but just, like, the whole process of going through it. I think sometimes those athletes will kind of... I've definitely been in this mindset where you just kind of bomb through everything else and you don't worry about anything and it's all about and obviously you want to do well you know but I'm sure it sounds like you kind of have done well in races when you've just sort of enjoyed yourself and just you know prepared but then let it come when it comes and just kind of do your thing you know so so that's cool to know that awesome um so how many Ironmans have you done to this point I've done five five okay yep five is a good number yeah Yeah. I'd say so that's a nice yeah my last one was Mount Tremblant Three, three or four years ago, time goes by so fast. So <laughs> yeah. I actually brought the American flag up there, and I had my friends hand it off to me, 
as I made my way through what they call the Athletes Village, mm-hmm. and you're just going down a chute, and there's just crowds of people lying in the whole way, and I just held, ran and held that flag, and everyone was chanting USA, and it was just <laughs> so emotional. So yeah. it wasn't my best Ironman because I training for the four the previous four that I did I was a stay at home mom mm-hmm. I had all in the world to train so I was back working after not working for 19 years and I probably trained as if I was training for a half distance Ironman and I still went up did it still put down a good time compared to other, what other people thought but because I'm so competitive yeah. one of the reasons why I won't do another Ironman is because I need to do it under 12 hours and it's got to be fast and yeah. I got to you know make the time but I'm really good with five and I've come to accept that that's good it's more than a lot of what other people have done yeah so and I was just thankful like, I mean take the fact who who of the population has done an Ironman right. small percentage and then who has done more than one small percentage and then who's yes. done five you know that's oh, definitely yeah. a small small group oh yeah um, I think you mentioned earlier kind of just like uh, through the process and then you sort of just like fell in love with with the endurance events and the Ironman stuff was there something specific for you that kind of like sticks out as to like what what clicked with you and like why you think you loved it so much I think it was just the distance and being out there all day long so race starts at 7 a.m. you have midnight to finish mm-hmm. and just seeing all these other athletes out there just doing the same thing they're all different shapes and sizes and you always meet somebody on the run and you sit there and you run and you talk to them and you, you talk you ask questions and um, although it was a half iron distance race I my first half iron distance I met with this met up with this girl on the run we ran the whole way and we're talking she was from New York um, she started cramping like the last mile so she was like go ahead go ahead and and I kept saying no I'll wait with you she's like no 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 she goes I want you to just go have a good race she goes I don't want to hold you back I'm like all right I'll see you at the finish so I saw her at the finish I waited for her and then the following year um, I did a local half iron called the Patriot Half Iron so here I'm out there and I caught up with this other girl and we started talking and as we're talking, um, I'm looking at her, and I'm like, wait a minute, Kim. And she goes, yeah, same girl that I met in Rhode Island doing yeah. a half iron, and here she is again. And we've kept in touch since. Yeah. So you meet so many people, so many people that have inspired, that um, you inspire, and it just the camaraderie is just, it's amazing. It's so it's so unexplainable um, when you cross that finish line. It's like winning a World Series because that's that's what it feels mm-hmm. like and what you did and all that you accomplished. I think the um, the people who are out there, 15, 16, and they have to be by and by the 17th hour, those people should be the most celebrated because mm-hmm. that's a long day for them. And you got to make sure that you're still eating. Even if you're walking the run, yeah you still have to take in nutrition, which is really important. Yeah, I mean, a whole all-day race, like you said, you have to yeah. figure out what are you doing for nutrition, not only, like, yes. nutrition, but, like, burning ridiculous amounts of calories, like, yes. while you're doing that, and in cold water, probably, in some of these races, and all this oh, kind I of stuff. I love the cold That's, water. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's interesting what you said, and, like, the camaraderie aspect of it, and some of these sports where it's not, like, a zero-sum game, like, somebody mm-hmm. doing well doesn't preclude somebody else from doing well where it's like a winner and a loser kind of a thing like obviously there are people who are like you know winning the age groups but everybody has their own goals right where it's like i want to finish or i want to finish under this time and everybody can cheer each other on and oh yeah that's really cool part of of that and i think i've heard that from a lot of endurance athletes where they just like to be able to have that whole thing and you know doing something so difficult yeah with all these other people you know that's one of the areas the camaraderie becomes amplified yeah. so much more i think but i, I do have, i do get very competitive right oh yes <laughs> <laughs> really bad <laughs> yeah so um i know kind of within that whole process obviously to kind of switch gears a little bit you know from just we talk about the resilient athlete project here and obviously there's a lot that goes into that which we can get into a little bit later but 
Um, I don't know if you mind talking a little bit about your kind of your cancer diagnosis and, and that whole process. Yep. So I was uh, 28 years old, diagnosed on May 31st, and it was 10 days before my 29th birthday. This was in 1996. Um, so yeah, it was it was a shock. Um, it lasted about a couple minutes with me. Um, I had the best doctor, um, so my GYN, who basically removed a lump, um, said it looked good and still needed to be taken out, came back, and sure enough, he had me brought right into his office and sat me down and told me what was going on and that I was his youngest patient. So he made me feel very relaxed. Um, but going home, having to tell my parents, you know, what was going on. So um, the most difficult thing when you're diagnosed with a disease like that is just, you. it's one step at a time. You take that next step, um, and then you have to wait for those results to come back. Then you go to the next step, and you just got to wait. So finally, I am... Um, I was sent to Boston. I had the best doctors at Mass General. Um, they were going to do a lumpectomy and take out some lymph nodes. And then a friend of my um, my mom's, who does mammos, sat with me and told me, listen, you'd be better off having a mastectomy because you don't know how much it's spread. Mm. Um, you would, you'd rather have everything taken out then only partial taken out and then find out that it's spread your know, lymph nodes and then you have to go through radiation and chemo right so i researched it called my surgical oncologist said i this is what i want to do um and they were kind of shocked because i was so young and i didn't have any children um but i wanted to be around to have children and i put myself first um, and had the surgery done, and then they were going to talk to me about chemo, and I remember going to the hospital with my mom, and my mom was with me at every appointment, going in, so I remember going in, and I told her, I'm not going to do chemo, I said, I feel fine, and she kept saying, you have to do chemo, it became, it was always a constant bicker battle between us, because of my decisions that I was making, but it was my body, and I was an adult, but being the only daughter, mm-hmm. she just could not see that, like, you know, so young. She always said that she wished she could trade places with me, but I understand why I was chosen and not her because she's more of, I don't want, I don't want to say wimp, but she'd be more emotional over it. So I became, I'm the stronger one out of my mom and everyone else in the family, so I told my doctor, I'm like, I'm not doing chemo, I'm not doing radiation if I have to, and you know, of course, they still have to go over everything with right. you as well. And I, um, I didn't do chemo, I didn't do any treatment. Um, yes, I was still stage one, but the type of cancer that I had, I, I had the breast cancer gene, mm-hmm. and it could come back. So I was like, okay, so what are my chances of it coming back if I do chemotherapy? And she's like, 10% chance, um, 7% chance. I said, if I don't do chemo, she goes, it's a 10% chance. I'm like, hmm. that's a very small margin, and yeah. I can live with that. So I still go into Boston. I still get my blood work. I still get my mammos. I have to get my breast MRIs done, my checkups and whatnot. And I'm going to have to do this for the rest of my life. Um, and I'm okay with that. So um, I've always been very open up about it. Um, I've talked to many people who have been diagnosed or have friends going through this. I belong to a tri team called the Fuck Cancer Tri Team. Uh-huh. And there's so many survivors on there. Um, there's people who are going through cancer. There's people who um, they're, they're losing their battle with cancer. A good friend of mine just passed away um, right before the holidays. And he's the reason why this team started. Yeah. And he was very well known in the triathlon circuit. Uh, everyone knew him. He was a big race director. And he's been battling this cancer for four years. And finally, it just, he was all of a sudden, he was uh, quickly put in, um, he was in an induced coma. 
and his friend Jay um, posted on the on the Facebook on our team page telling us that this is the hottest thing he's ever had to tell us and he right now is going to hop a plane to go see Sean and Sean probably won't even know he's there because he's in an induced coma or medically induced coma and he probably won't wake up ever and he passed away so this is you know because of him is why we have this big team and it's just you know I've never seen so many people going through this disease um but their mother their father brother sister friends all of a sudden they're posting my friend was just diagnosed so we're all there supporting each other and it's been it's like a support group and we just we've all come together we half of us hasn't more than half haven't even met each other uh-huh. just only on Facebook. So the team started out at about 150. Last year it was up to 300. Now this year it's 800 people that are on the team, and everyone that's on that team either has cancer, or has been affected by cancer in their family. It's just it's amazing. Yeah. So yep. So here I am, still going strong, and you know I. I Probably I put myself first, growing, raising my kids, which sounds selfish, but if I wasn't there to keep myself healthy for my kids, I didn't want them to lose their mother. Right. You know, I was taking a chance having a kid, um, both my kids, um, because whereas I have the gene, knowing that I can pass the gene onto them is scary. So I basically um, taught them how to eat as, you know, growing up. All the fruits, all the vegetables, on you know, taking their vitamins and multis and whatnot. So just to educate them and doing that. And, you know, yes, it helps and doesn't because, you know, you can't help what kids are going to be eating when they see this kid at school with these Twinkies. I've never bought Twinkies for my kids, but they're like, hey, I had one of these and it was really good. Yeah, you know? I know it was really good. But... It's tough, yeah. It's tough. This day and age. Just... Yeah, yeah. But yep, so I'm I'm still, still eating good, and um, I one of the worst things going through it was that my family, not my parents, but aunts that treated me like I was dying. Mm. They're like, oh my god, should you be doing this and whatnot? You you need to slow down, and I never slowed down once. Even um, I had doctors that would tell me, you know, you you should slow down. I'm like, I mm. can't. I I don't want to. Yeah. I enjoy, I enjoy doing what I do, and I love it, and it makes me feel good. Yeah. You know? I don't think, well, first of all, thanks for sharing that. I yeah. Think it's, it, you know, obviously, you know, it's a big part of, of what you've been doing for a yeah. long time here, and it's, it's so important because... Oh, I could go on. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, think a few things that just jumped out to me are one thing you just said, um, which was like not not letting hopefully not letting a cancer diagnosis or, or a disease diagnosis change who you feel like you are, you know. And if people are telling like if, if being an Ironman, you know, triathlete and endurance athlete is so important. If you know, I think mean mean doctors mean well, obviously, but saying something like hey, you should probably not yeah. do that anymore. It's like well, you don't understand what you're saying when you say that to me. Like that's oh yeah, that's like you know taking something away that means a lot. Yeah, I was told um, I because of. My mastectomy and reconstructive surgery with lymph nodes, it's like I have no feeling down the whole right arm. And I was told not to lift more than 10 pounds over my head, mm. but, oh, here comes CrossFit. And <laughs> I got into CrossFit big time, and, yep. yeah, I was lifting some heavy stuff over my head. I, and that's, like, another thing. I'm like, I did everything the doctors told me not to do, I did. And I still, to this day, I don't listen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure you listen on on, the, on certain things, but you know some of the lifestyle stuff, like you said, I think you. you oh, yeah. I'm sure we're able to say I understand the risk, I understand why you're saying that, but this is important to me, so yeah, I'm gonna, you know, I think another thing, I, you know, live while you're here, live while you have the chance to, and do what oh, you want to yeah. do, and you know, obviously, you know, don't you don't want to be a moron about stuff, but but right. it, you know, you know, it is what it is, and you can't live yourself and live your life in a bubble because right, that doesn't really do anything you know oh so true you know so so, but i think another thing that i wanted to to highlight was you talking about putting yourself first and you know i think a lot of us feel like i would say especially a lot of the mothers that i've come into contact with they feel like that's selfish and that's the first thing they always say is when they say something like that yes they 
they qualified immediately with like, I know that sounds selfish. I'm like, well, listen, I have that conversation with patients all the time. It's like, if you don't take care of yourself, how valuable are you? How useful are you to anybody else? You know, and yeah. if you don't have that, you know, physically and mentally and psychologically and all that kind of stuff, if you're not in a good place, you're not going to be worth a whole lot to the people that you right. love, you know, so. Oh, yeah. Um, I know. lost a good friend who put her family and kids for us and her life was cut short 10 years ago um, but it was a medical thing it was they think it was an aneurysm but still it was like you know she did everything for her kids mm-hmm. um, and they lost her so soon you know which is tragic and um, although it probably would have happened but yeah you know or maybe I mean she wasn't feeling good that day and there was some times I mean she was having some health problems mm-hmm. so who knows maybe if she did something about it um, and they, they are thinking an aneurysm or a blood clot she did have surgery a few months before that it, it yeah. could have been from that but still she yeah it was just it was so heartbreaking when she passed and she was she had a heart of gold because she would do everything for everybody yeah so that's how she's remembered, which is nice because of yeah, her of heart. And, yeah. But yeah, but it's a shame. It was just, yeah. it opens up your eyes. Like, whew. Yeah. Wow. And it's important to do that, obviously. And I think that when you talk about living from a place of, of, of giving and a place of generosity, everybody mm-hmm. should do that, of course. But yeah. but that means towards yourself as yeah. well, you know, and making sure that, oh, yeah. you know, you, no matter what's going on elsewhere and outside, you're, you're taking care of yourself and all that kind yes. of stuff. And you you're affecting what you can affect and, and all that, you know, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, obviously, we, we talk a lot about physical resilience here, and, and that's a big part of it. Um, and, you know, as being a physical therapist and as you having a background in, in fitness, and obviously that's the stuff that we can kind of control a lot of times, but the, we don't talk as much about the building of the emotional and psychological resilience through physical training, but also through just, like, adversity, you know, yeah. like one thing we t- talk about is, you know, I think of resilience and this concept of being anti-fragile, I bring up almost all the time because it's kind of like resilience is like, can you, can you basically remain unchanged while all these other things are going on around you? But anti-fragile is like, can you take those things, incorporate them into who you are and have them like help you come out the other side stronger, you know? So oh, yeah. I think that I talk about that with patients a lot is that, you know. It's true. Challenge is, is going to be there. Stress, adversity is going to be there. So trying to avoid it doesn't really do you a lot of good. But right. there are ways that we can sort of come through the other side with more of a positive outlook and yeah. stronger than we went in, you know. So. Oh, yeah. That's definitely with cancer. I totally looked everything, you know, looked at everything very different. Um, like I said, I'm glad it was me that was diagnosed with my mom because I was a stronger person. I became a stronger person. Um, but then, uh, I had another moment, life-changing moment a year ago in Florida when I actually had a bike crash, a mountain bike crash and broke my nose and I was down there with friends and my husband and kids were back home and I remember sitting there in the ambulance just with my neck in a brace, I'm on the backboard and I was like, oh my God, all of a sudden training wasn't as important to me anymore mm-hmm. um racing was just not really important it was just there uh, i i hurt my back because i broke my mo- my nose i couldn't swim for six weeks i i couldn't even run because when i ran it just felt like my tailbone was mm-hmm. really curved and i i got on my bike i would just sit and bike and i had no motivation and then I was just like, what am I doing? You know, I have these races that I signed on. So I just, I would wake up once I finally get to go swimming again. And I started slowly walking and kind of running. And I would wake up and I'd be like, well, I think today I'll swim or today I'll bike, today I'll run. I did not do any training schedule. Mm-hmm. I just worked out and I raced for fun this year. Yeah. Um, and I still did very well, and I just it was it was important to me anymore. Um, I didn't have any big race goals, so it was just you know what I I was like okay, 
I did my time racing and training, um, but it was just not looking at my family, and I'm like, it's not important because I don't want to hurt myself again, Mm -hmm. and I mean, I've had a bike crash in 2005, which, you know, thank God nothing really happened, but I just, this past one, when I broke my nose, here I am, older, I was 50, almost 52, and I'm like, oh my God, I can't, I can't get hurt, you know, and I took care of myself, and yep, just, and I still think that way, you know, I wake up, and I hop on the bike, and people still get on my case, and it's really upsetting to me, and they don't understand that it upsets me, but um, if Iron Man, the subject of Iron Man comes up, I'm like, I'm not doing it anymore. And they're like, oh, yeah, right, right. And, or I'll do a race and I do really well. And they're like, well, I thought you weren't training. And it's like, I get like friends that are just being really snooty to me, which is like, I'm not. And I'm sorry that I have this fitness. And Kristen Rigo used to say, you have this crazy, crazy cardio. You can just sit for a month and mm-hmm. get up and boom, you know, do this and do that but yeah yeah that another life-changing moment from a broken nose and i just you know look back and all the racing and everything i did and that's come i've come to a uh, peace with it Mm -hmm. you know that it's not important anymore and i see all these people my friends are out training 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 and they're all training for an ironman this summer and Mm -hmm. um, i'll be there watching them but i'm like I have no desire. I yeah. just, I'm, I'm fulfilled. Yeah, you did it. Yeah, you know? I like, did all, yeah. yeah. I think like one thing, one you said is that, you know, when you train long enough and you get that baseline, like you said, you can take longer periods of time off and you can still do it. And, yeah. You know, some of that, I think the goal for a lot of people is, is that sort of intuitive training where you can just kind of wake up on any given day and say like, what do, you know, what yes. do I feel like doing today? What haven't I done in a while? What do I need to focus on? And the more of an advanced athlete you are, the more experienced you are, the more you can do that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, which I think, and it sounds like you kind of got the, the joy, not that you lost it, right. but that it kind of, you came back even yes. more so and you're just enjoying it and you're just doing it for fun and yes. supporting your lifestyle with you and your family as opposed to being yeah. something that you have to like, it's the thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it is rewarding now and I, you know, I've, I go out there and I encourage people um, it was funny last night. I, I was thinking, okay, it's been this many years since my first triathlon. It's been 29 years, and that's a long time. And I've been um, consistently in back in the game since 2003, mm-hmm. and I've been nonstop, <laughs> and that's a long time. Yeah. So it's it's like now I should just sit back and enjoy enjoy racing out there, mm-hmm. having fun. And I did that this year, and, and I actually had a blast. I I had no pressure, and that was a huge thing. Yeah. Um, certain teams that I would race for, this one team, uh, which is a nationally known team, they have over 30 pros on their team, and when you wear that kit, it's like they know, wow, this is a huge team, and they have some really good athletes. But every time I put that kid on race morning, I felt like there was just a weight on my mm. shoulders because I didn't want to fail them. Yeah. And my friend Brian's like, don't feel like that. They're not like that. And I knew that. But it was just wearing that that kit and everyone seeing, like, oh, she's with that team, and mm-hmm. it's such an awesome team. And But I'm glad I experienced that team. Um, so I had, you know, I was with them for four years. I had a blast. Um, I left and I raced one year, not even belonged to any teams and I still had fun. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm back with a few teams and whatnot. I'm on three teams right now. <laughs> so I, you know, but it's just for fun. Yeah, that's good though. I think that <laughs> it's, I think there's a kind of common theme when you've been in a sport for a really long time is that you, you get really into it, it becomes a part of your life, and it's, yeah. you don't know what you're doing. You kind of, sometimes you get towards kind of a little bit of a burnout, you take some time off, and then you get back to yes. hopefully doing it just for the love of it, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I had sort of a similar process. I wasn't in as long, you know, as long as you were, but I, you know, 
It was pretty close. It was about 20 years for me from when I started swimming to through college. Oh, yeah. And when I finished college, I definitely was like, okay, I'm done for a while. Like, I'm not going to go in the pool. Yeah. I'm going to just do something different. And now, even just over the last few months to year or so, I'm starting to get back into the pool and just doing it to, you know, enjoy it. And, oh, good. You know, so I think that's kind of the, the life cycle of, of a, yeah. an athlete who does, a bit, like, one thing for a really long time. Yes. You know, so it's good to yes. hear that. Oh, yeah. Um... I think that we've covered a lot of awesome stuff, but I'm wondering if you have any advice for either, you know, triathletes, endurance athletes, or just, you know, like younger athletes in general, you know, let's kind of try to leave people with some, some stuff like that. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are just in that regard. So someone who wants to get in the sport of triathlon, um, is wonderful. You're going to start off with a sprint. People want to jump into the Ironman distance, which I think is ridiculous because, um, of course, that's an all-day event. Um, You may not even have a great race. You're certainly not going to have your nutrition down, which Uh is important. So do a sprint. It's fun. Go to a race. Watch it. Um, Do a sprint. And if you have, you know, time to train, train for an Olympic distance. It is a little bit longer. Um, and if you really like the sport and you really want to get into it, um, join a team. There's many teams. You don't have to be really good because all teams accept all types of athletes. Um, if you want to take it to a next level, get a coach. Um, but research. Do a lot of research. Don't do any online training programs because you can, you can get them free, but you really won't understand exactly what they are. Um, so this great um, coaching local, there's uh, QT2 Systems, um, which their mission plans, they're very reasonable. Um, there's also Outrival Racing, which um, they're affiliated with QT2. There's Triumph Endurance Coaching. Um, this is all local, so I know with Triumph, um, you do get that one-on-one um, contact, whereas on QT2, they give you the mission plans. Um, you have to do a field test for them. So I used to coach. Um, we're always our own worst coach because we <laughs> don't listen. We just do whatever we want to do. Yep. Um, but I used to coach a team of women, and these girls, like I know, they, I met them. There, they would come right off off the coach couch, and they'd be like, "Well, I want to do a triathlon." So I did a fourteen uh, week training program for Olympic distance. I'm sorry, not Olympic sprint. So I was basically the head coach for team dance and training um, in Massachusetts, and um, I made sure before we start any training, I made sure, and this is why I tell all the other athletes. Um, if you don't have a bike, get a bike, get a good bike, <laughs> go to a bike shop because a Walmart bike is a lot different than a bike shop bike quality wise. Yeah. You need to get fitted for running shoes. Mm-hmm. You can't be in the wrong running shoe because, you know, yes, you can get hurt. Um, just, you know, do not go to that little store over here, that discount store and be like, wow, well, this pair is normally this much money in this store here it's fifty dollars it's totally different quality it's it's made for that store so okay i'm gonna say kohl's <laughs> you go there and you see these shoes these brooks shoes these adidas and they're cheaper it's because they were specifically made for kohl's they're not the quality shoe that you see at a sport at a specific run shop or whatever but um Yep, get fitted. Um, we go through swim drills. Um, some girls didn't know how to swim, so I uh, basically spent time with them, teaching them how to swim. Mm-hmm. Me, I'm really bad at just throwing everyone in the open water. I'm like, yeah, we're not going to do any pool swims. I would get them right out in the open water. But I had girls that uh, were my workout leaders, so they were there to help as well. Um, if you have trouble swimming, if you're not a swimmer, there's many coaches around that will help you swim. There's um, Masters Swim. They'll help yeah. you swim. You're not just because it's a master swim doesn't mean that all these people know how to swim. Like, they're good swimmers. 
There are people that are still learning. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what age they are, there's a lot of adults that are doing it. Um, and you just, people don't have the courage to do it. And you just get to work up that courage. You know, grab a friend. Have a friend do it with you. Yeah. Get a few friends. Get a few friends and do a uh, relay. Put a relay mm-hmm. together to do a triathlon. But definitely go out there, watch a race, see what goes on. Um, they're very well run. A lot of them have um, their the courses are closed off to traffic, which is nice. Um, you got to get a helmet too. Bike helmets <laughs> a must. I can't tell you how many times had athletes that showed up and they're like, "Oh, I don't wear a helmet," and it was like, "Yeah, well, you're not riding." No. Yes, so you I do. can't have that, <laughs> you know. And it's like you got to get a helmet, and um, we all bike with daytime lights on our bikes mm. because right now. There's too many drivers on the road, too many distracted drivers. Uh-huh. So, you know, people are like, oh, I'm not going to ride with lights. And I'm like, well, that one light can save your life. Right. And yeah. that helmet will save your life, too. But, yeah, it's just there's so many resources out there. Um, and just you can Google it and take it from there or, you know, talk to someone, join a team. Yeah. And, but, yeah, there's so much out there. And people just they need that little push. Uh-huh. You know, a little yeah. nudge, get them out yeah. there. Oh, yeah. I think you mentioned just, uh, you know, having coaches, having teams, and it's some of that small stuff about, yeah. like, you know, what, you know, having a light on and getting your, your bike fit properly yes. and having your helmet fit properly and all that little stuff that you may not think about, but somebody who's a little bit more of a veteran, if you go to some of these races, they're going to, okay, no, yeah. it's going to be a problem, you know, halfway through this race, so you might want to think about that instead. It's not a cheap sport. No, that's for sure. <laughs> that's definitely part of the, uh, part of the, uh, difficulty getting into it a little bit but yeah but um but yeah i think if you're gonna do it do it the right way like you said get fit for the right pair of shoes oh, yeah. get the right bike get fit for the bike correctly and and make sure you know how to you know swim yeah. safely and understand how to be efficient and, and all that kind of stuff yeah. but you yeah. want to enjoy it you want to enjoy <laughs> that experience the entire I, thing. I tell you you know there's like i remember starting when i was racing and i'd be on my bike and I would say to myself why am I here this sucks (laughs) it sucks and then you finish the race and you're like wow when's the next one absolutely (laughs) it absolutely it's and when I used to coach those ladies I would tell them you're gonna go home and you're gonna be wondering oh my god I need to do another one of these races because boy you can have a bad race but you're hooked Mm -hmm. and definitely it does yeah. It, you, you get hooked. Yeah. I can't imagine not doing a triathlon. Yeah. yeah. No, that's great. So, um, you know, thank that shared a lot of awesome, good, awesome stuff there. I think, um, just for people in the Lakeville area, um, where Shannon works, Spark Bike Run Sports is right in Lakeville. Yeah. Um, Shannon handles kind of the running side of that, but the bike fit side and everything, they have amazing stuff over there. Yes. Um, you know, so if you are an endurance athlete or getting into triathlete triathlons or anything like that, that's the first place I send people who need shoes and that kind of stuff because oh, you guys yeah. definitely take the time to do it right. Um, oh, yeah. And we're like that with bikes, too. Mm-hmm. So I'm good with road bikes, so I can sell a road bike to anybody. Um, I don't really mountain bike much, but um, when you do come in, if you're looking for a bike, we do have entry-level bikes that are under $1,000 mm-hmm. um, because, you know, I know people are on a budget, but we also like to see them ride the bike around the parking lot just to make right. sure that okay that's the right fit for you mm-hmm. um that's a big thing with us we make sure that you are on the right size bike so a lot of people um they're on a bike that's too small too big and they can't figure out why figure out why they're uncomfortable right so it's important yeah and you guys are going to yeah. be able to tell that the same yes. way somebody can come in move a certain oh, way yeah. show them their history but okay i've got an idea of what maybe we want to do same kind of thing like you know, oh, you yeah. find doing a couple laps around the parking lot but i'm seeing something that means like you know halfway into your ride you're probably not going to be feeling too good so. yeah and then we talk about hey you want to be clipped in <laughs> yeah <laughs> And they look at you like, what? Oh, pedals, you know, it's, you know, we have pedals and you can just clip your cycling shoes right to the pedal and they're like, I don't think so. I'm like, well, you know, if you're going to do a triathlon, it's really good. And it, plus it makes um, riding a bike more enjoyable because mm. you get the smooth rotation. You're not just pushing down, pushing down. Now you can push and pull up, yeah. especially when you're going up that hill. You know, you want to be able to pull up when you're going up that hill. 
Yeah. But yeah, and there's plenty of local races, local sprints around that are really they cater to first timers, mm-hmm. which is really nice because um, the support that's out there, um, a fair amount of people are there doing it for the first time. Right. So you're not alone if you decide to do a race and you register and you just can't like show up and register because it just sometimes these races are sold out and. But yep, get the, you know, go online, check out your resources. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it well, is very rewarding. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, just accomplishing that, even sprint yes. triathlons, just knowing you did it, right? Yes. So that's awesome. So thanks for sharing all that stuff and thanks for sure. taking some time today to oh, yeah. sit down and chat a little bit. Absolutely. Very enjoyable. Um, anything else you want to share in terms of resources or anything like that? I can't think of anything, but if you do want to start uh, triathlon, running, anything, so I am at Spark, I will talk to anybody, uh, race nutrition, mm-hmm. I do have a lot of people that do come in that are doing a marathon or what, so I do talk race fueling with them as well, um, so yeah, so being, because I had to be a certified um trainer and whatnot i was also a certified triathlon coach so uh-huh. we had to learn race fueling right um so i'm always you know giving people advice and whatnot we do have a fun run last wednesday of every month we run the we leave the shop actually at 6 30 we do anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour i always give it an option where if they um do half of the distance they can cut out and there's a shortcut to go back to the shop. Um, but, yeah, anyone's welcome. So cool. like the page yep. on Facebook and, you know, see the updates. And, yeah, and I hope some people come in and introduce themselves. Yeah. So. Yeah, check them out. And if you go over there, make sure to reach out if you want to start running. The Fun Run's a great group because it's yeah. so, so pretty simple and easy and, like I said, yes. low pressure. So uh, yes. go in and check it out, and hopefully we'll get some – some new endurance athletes and triathletes out of this. So. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks again for, yeah. for taking some time. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Hey, everybody. Just a few quick things before you take off. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and leave a review if you found this podcast useful. The Resilient Athlete Project is brought to you by Wagner PT and Performance in Lakeville, Massachusetts, where I work with athletes of all ages to relieve pain and keep them in the game. For more information, or if you're interested in working with me, either in person or via remote consult, visit my website at www.wagnerptp.com. Also, don't forget to follow Wagner PT and Performance on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and reach out if you have any questions. Okay, everybody, thanks again, and we'll talk soon.